Hello, tribe. Welcome back to another episode of the Evolution Podcast. This is episode number 77 with Bob Schneidwind. I'm your host, Jeff Bayless. You can follow me on Instagram at JeffBayless underscore. And if you get anything out of this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you do a like, share, subscribe thing, uh, maybe push it out to somebody that that needs to hear it. Uh, so a little bit about Coach Bob. So those of you in the Hampton Roads area, uh, you already know this guy if you're into any sort of running or charity group. Uh, I call him the unofficial mayor of Virginia Beach, but really his reach goes a lot further than that. We discuss uh, his career in the Navy as a helicopter pilot. We discuss his transition from military to civilian life, uh, which there's a lot of lessons there. Uh, he also discussed you know, how he got into uh, team and training charity, uh, Live Strong Charity, uh, or excuse me, team and training is, you know, for the Lymphoma Society. Uh, cancer is a big, uh, well, it's it's a, you know, it's a problem for the world, and Bob's doing everything he can uh, to try to try to help those folks uh, get the get the relief and the help that they need uh, through uh, positive things such as running. Um, he, uh, you know, he studied at Auburn University. He lives in Virginia Beach now, but uh, you know, he works at a huge uh, race organization here, JNA Racing, and then also uh, team and training. Uh, so I'll put links all that in the show notes. Uh, and so, you know, I hope you enjoy this conversation. If you do, and you know Bob, reach out to him and let him know uh, just how much uh, impact he's had on you. Because, I mean, that guy has helped a lot of people, uh, especially here in the Hampton Roads area. But, you know, he's, he's really, his reach, you, he can't even quantify the reach because all of the positive work that he's done through uh, the charity organizations that he's worked for, worked with, and really just humbly tried to help. Uh, so here's my conversation with Coach Bob. All right, Coach Bob, dude, <laughs> thank you so much. I, I've always uh, referred to you as like the unofficial mayor of uh, Virginia Beach, and I'm sure a lot of people uh, feel that way as well. Uh, it's an honor to have you here. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, that what I see you do in the community, not just the running community, but just in general, just trying to be a light for others. Uh, and so it's, it's such an honor to have you here. I, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to, to talk to me for a little bit. The honor's all mine, Jeff. Thanks for asking me. Cool, cool. Yeah, so uh, actually, I got to give Heidi some credit. She was like, you need to get Coach Baba. Like, have you heard this guy? <laughs> like, he's got an amazing story. Like, for so long, I didn't even know you were in the Navy. Like, you know, because you're just uh, not – you know, you're such a humble guy. So um, I guess I would just jump off with, you know, kind of, I know what you do and we'll get to your background and everything that usually happens automatically just in conversation. But I would sure. like to jump off with kind of like what your passion projects are now and like what you're doing now and what, what drives that stuff. Like what gets you into uh, everything that you do? Like you do so much, man. And I kind of feel like you don't even have to, you just do it because it's, the right thing to do and you're just a good dude so let, let me know what's going on now and, and what drives that well I'll, let me start by saying that uh, right now of course we're all in a unique situation and very few of us are able to do what we were able to do nine months ago a year ago certainly with COVID and quarantine and some other restrictions that are in place so it, it's not as easy to uh, to get as motivated to do the things that I was doing for so long and hope to be doing again because you're missing the, the people piece of it. You're missing the, the group atmosphere, the camaraderie of, uh, of getting together. And, and certainly there are those of us who can, while social distancing, still go out and, and work out and get a run in or a bike, or a bike ride in or something else. But 
you know, one of the big things I have done for over 20 years is coach or team in training. You always call me Coach Bob and always smile when you say that because so many people know me as Coach Bob. And, uh, and for those who aren't aware of why people call me Coach Bob, I've had the honor and the privilege and, and the great, great opportunity for over 20 years, as I said, to be a coach with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's team in training program. And team in training is, is one of numerous fundraising programs within LLS, to just to shorten that. And the whole mission of LLS is to find cures for blood cancers and to improve the quality of life for patients and their families and to educate and advocate on behalf of uh, blood cancer patients. And team and training is a program by which athletes, or and we can get into this, people who didn't even know they were athletes, come to the program and they say, you know, I want to do something for others, something bigger than myself. I have a connection to a blood cancer. I don't have a connection. I've just heard about this fundraising program. And so while they're training to run or walk uh, some distance race or to do a triathlon or a century ride or a hike, um, they are at the same time raising money that goes towards predominantly research for cures, but also to patient programs, advocacy, education, et cetera. And so while they are doing something, in many cases, they didn't know they could do, they're, they're setting goals for themselves and accomplishing goals that are far beyond what they thought they could ever do. They are also making a difference in the world of uh, blood cancers and those who have, have blood cancers or in treatment and certainly in memory, often sadly, for those who have lost their fight or as a, as a very good friend of mine within the organization, likes to say who crossed their final finish line. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in, the, in the midst of COVID, it's tough to do some of the things that we were doing. Certainly some of the events to which these athletes were, uh, for which they were training, have been on pause. They're in the virtual mode. And while fundraising still continues, it's, it's different. And uh, so I've missed that certainly quite a bit. But uh, we'll get back to that at some point. I mean, we as a as a nation, as a community. And so that's, I'm still involved in reaching out to teammates. We're all still one big team. We still communicate. We still do what we can virtually. And there are others who are still raising funds and awareness through other programs. But uh, look forward to the day when we can all get in our big group together, not have to wear a mask and not have to be totally social distanced. Uh, I'm a, uh, you know me pretty well, I'm a hugger. So to socially distance, socially distance a hugger and say, you can't go hug anybody, you can't shake their hand, you know, that's, that's tough. Certainly understand it and I respect it and you know, adhere to the guidelines as they're posted. But uh, that, I think I missed that more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess this kind of begs the question that, like, how did you get started in that? And then we'll go back to your history because, you know, sure. uh, every, everybody knows you as Coach Bob and, you know, you're the you're the, uh, you know, the, the announcer at all the races here locally for JNA. And I do appreciate every time I come through a finish line, you, you do <laughs> it's a little special for me. Yeah. Uh, well. if, if, as long as you're not in the middle of a pack and I can pick you out, I, I try to do something, just an inflection. If you have, yeah, yeah. If you have a nickname that I'm aware of, you know, I, I'll do my best. So. Yeah. And, and all the costumes are really neat and stuff. And so that's, <laughs> you know, but I guess that, that, you know, we can talk about JNA after, but how did you get started in the team and training like what motivated that how did that you know people ask me a lot like how did you get started with podcasts how did you get started with triathlon well I just started you know um, 
I, I just I just got going. Um, so what, how did you get into team and training? Like how did that land in your lap? It's a very definite genesis. I got a letter from a neighbor who uh, lived a couple of houses down from me. He and I were fellow runners, although in way different leagues. We never ran together because he was much quicker than I. But he was raising money for this program called Team and Training Club, the Community Diploma Society. So he sent us a fundraising letter. I had never heard of Team and Training, never heard of the Lukemian Lymphoma Society. And uh, so we gave him, I'm sure, a small donation. We didn't have a whole lot of money in those days. But I kind of filed it away. You know, I said, hey, well, that's a cool thing he's doing. You know, he was already a marathoner. At that point, Team and Training only really did marathons and uh, century rides. They were just getting into triathlon. So I filed it away. Didn't think anything of it. Then a few months later, at a Shamrock Marathon Expo, Team and Training had a booth. So I walk up, oh, Team and Training, yeah, that's what my buddy's doing. So I walk up, get some more information, grabbed a pamphlet, put my name down for an uh, info meeting, which happened, uh, I don't know, a month or two later. Went to an info meeting, heard the whole story about Team and Training, where, you know, its origin, what they did, why they did it. And then the thing, and I was already pretty hooked at that point. But then a mom came up, she was kind of the guest speaker for the evening and talked about her daughter, who at 11 years old was just finishing up her treatment for some the form of leukemia that she had. And that story, boy, if I wasn't hooked already, just seeing that mom talk about what her daughter had gone through, an 11 year old, and she'd been battling leukemia for almost four years. So all, almost all of her childhood, certainly her going into her tween years, she was dealing with cancer and she was coming out of it healthy. And a big part of that was because of funds that had been already raised by those who were in the program long before I got it. So I was hooked. I said, that's it. I'm, I'm definitely doing this. So I signed up to do uh, a triathlon. And as I said, they were just getting into triathlons and I had never done a triathlon. So I told myself, you know, if this can't be your motivation for uh, a triathlon, then nothing ever will be. And so I signed up and um, a little side note, we can get back into it later. As a, at that point, I was still in the Navy, uh, hitting 20 years roughly. Actually, I was close to my retirement. I was right around 22 years at that point. I uh, wasn't a great swimmer. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you're in the Navy, you gotta be a great swimmer. Well, I was an aviator. You know, aviators, uh, we don't have to be great swimmers. And so the, as many of us who got into triathlon early on, hesitated the hesitancy was not the bike wasn't the run it was the swim because you're not a great swimmer it's the first thing you got to do so that's what really um, kept me from triathlons and then team and training was the motivation I needed and I love telling a story and, and forgive me if I'm over long here so my first triathlon was the then Outer Banks triathlon it, it went through a couple of variations after that went away and I, I don't know that it ever re, you know, came into existence again but anyway it existed down in Manio. And uh, so the swim was the thing I was worried about the most. Back of the pack, took my time, a little breaststroke, a little side stroke, a little back, you know, elementary backstroke, crawl, you know, for maybe 10 yards because I sucked at the crawl stroke. And, and I, uh, I got out of the water and I got out of the water with the biggest damn grin on my face because I was like, you know, hey, the hard part's over. The rest of this is just fun. I get to go bike for 15 miles get to run a 5k I can do this I didn't die first, <laughs> I did not die no and yeah. I didn't have to I didn't have to paddle over to a kayak and hang on for a little bit and uh so that was 
there was no embarrassment factor on top of a, you know, I didn't have to get any help. So I get out of the water, the very first person I see is my wife, Susan, and give her a big hug, which was amazing. The next person I saw was the daughter of the mom who had come to speak at our info meeting that I attended because she ended up being, at the time we had what was known as patient honorees. You, you trained in honor of someone going through treatment or someone who had just recently been through treatment. And Katie and her mom, um, Chris, were there and I got big hugs from both of them. And then really the rest of the morning was just so much fun. But getting the hug from my wife and getting the hug from that beautiful young girl who had survived her cancer because of people like me, well before me, had said, yeah, I'm committed, I'm gonna raise some money. Might not be a whole lot of money, but if enough I must do this, we can, uh, we can make a difference. And you know, if I wasn't hooked at the info meeting, I certainly was hooked that day, seeing those smiles, getting those hugs. And shortly thereafter, I, I approached the then um, coach for team and training in our area, who's a, a guy whose name you can recognize, Jerry Frostick. Jerry was in the process of expanding his business. He wasn't able to give it as much time as he wanted. I said, hey, Jerry, I'll help you out. You know, I, I, can, I can be your assistant coach. He'd like, said, hey, that'd be great. Not long after that, he asked if I would take over because he wasn't able to give the attention that it deserved. So I said, okay, I'll do my best. And so in December of 1998, I was assigned as a team and training coach for Southampton Roads, and I have been a coach ever since. And uh, with each season that has gone by, the people I've had the, the privilege and the honor to meet, um, it's just been amazing. Some of my best friends have come through my associations with those incredible events and that incredible fundraising and the spirit involved in said fundraising and, and training. And so through that early association from a buddy who was a marathoner, and it, all it takes is the initial hook, and in my case, I had several hooks. And so that's, that's a very long-winded uh, answer to your question about how I got into team and training. Well, it's the a lot of, of that is a lot of, how, lot of history. <laughs> why, why do I keep doing it? Uh, I keep doing it because uh, every season that comes up, every, you know, we're kind of in limbo now, but we're, we're going to get back to what it used to be at some point. Uh, every opportunity to, to continue to give back, I, I've told people for years and years, as long as I'm physically able to contribute, I want to contribute. And if I ever get to the point where I'm not physically able, if there's a way I can uh, lend um, moral support or, or expertise in any way, I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing it. So there you go. Yeah, that's probably more than you were asking for, Jeff, but that's- No, that's it's in, perfect. Uh, no, it's a perfect. very big nutshell. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's funny you were mentioning the, the swim portion. It reminds me of my very first triathlon. Same thing. Like, I literally thought I was going to die, Coach. I was like, <laughs> I, got, I got to 100 yards in my first triathlon with the breaststroke, and I was, like, reaching for the kayak. And same thing, man. When I came out of the water, it was like, okay, I didn't die. Let's do this again. You know, <laughs> like, I made it. Well, I, I love telling the story, and again, I don't know how much time I get, but so in that very first triathlon, there was three waves. There was um, young men, I say young, I, I was in my 40s at the time, so like under 40, and then master's men, and then all the ladies were together, so three waves, and they were like five minutes apart, 
So I was in the second wave. As I said, I was way in the back doing my breaststroke. I didn't want to get clobbered. I was, you know, I was told, look, you're not, you're not a strong swimmer. Get in the back and just follow everybody else. So I was doing that. And when, um, so by the time I was getting out of the water, and it was a triangular course, I'm coming up towards the finish. And about that last 200 yards or so, 200 meters, uh, probably three or four uh, ladies uh, swam by me, the strongest swimmers in their group. And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm ahead of most of the ladies here, not to bother me a whole lot. So I get to transition, and there's only like three or four ladies ahead of me on the bike. Well, I did my first triathlon on a mountain bike, and it wasn't the world's best mountain bike. <laughs> and and I, thought I, was, I thought I was a pretty good, you know, huffy mountain bike kind of guy. So I get on the bike, and I start, you know, pedaling pretty quick, feeling great because, you know, I was just going to have a good time. It wasn't two minutes later than here they came. <laughs> <laughs> all the other ladies who were in my swim group or their swim group on their tri bikes and road bikes just flying by me because essentially you know they had much faster equipment than I had and I just started laughing I said okay well I get at least I beat most of them out of the water with my five minute head start yeah. and a few of those a few of those I will say I was able to pick off on the run I, and I wasn't trying to pick people off it's just the run was certainly my strongest of the three yeah, it's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, the the people you meet through team and training or just, you know, in endurance events in large, what I have found is most of them are pretty good people or they wouldn't be out here doing this stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, I oh, mean absolutely. I'm, I'm not saying that there isn't a, you know, one off scenario, but it's kind of like if you go to church, you don't expect to see, you know, angry people all the time. You know, if, if right. you're in this environment and you're trying to contribute to something positive, even if it's only selfish for your your own well-being, right, uh, let alone trying to be selfless and doing something for others, it's, it's very rare. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but it's very rare that you run into a group of, uh, you know, just jerks, right? Like most yeah. people really care. They really have kind hearts and, uh, yeah. you know, they, they do it just to be a good human. Um, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't and, agree more. And so, uh, so I guess we kind of, we kind of tackled the team and training thing, which is your, your main driver right now. And then obviously uh, the J and a, uh, so for, for those that aren't in the Hampton roads area that might listen to this. So uh, J and a, what, what does that even stand for? I should know this, but J and a racing. Oh, Jeff, you're going to feel really dumb. I know. I'm sorry. J and a stands for Jerry and Amy. Oh yes. Okay. Right. right. Who are the owners of J and a, we actually saw them. We actually saw them at uh, First Landing the other day, Heidi and I did running. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, J&A Racing, huge in the Hampton Roads area, uh, you know, great events. Uh, my favorite and my PR is uh, Shamrock Marathon. Uh, but, awesome. uh, you know, just for people that don't know, you know, like these races are not only just, uh, yes, they are races. There are elite people that show up and really try to crush it and PR and, you know, podium and all of these things. But there's also... A, a majority of people that are there to party you know it's yeah, like absolutely. i'm gonna run i'm gonna run these 13 26 10 6.1 miles and at the end i mean the party is just always so much fun uh it's yeah. it's always a really good time bunch of people in the community that we all kind of only get together at race time right and we kind of have this tribe of our own of people that like to move our bodies right uh sure. so that that is the unique thing i think that i see with jna is uh although it is cool that you know there's a race to look forward to all the time it's also the themes are really neat and you know the, the after parties are always good like the DeLoreans will be playing there's a great band 
you know, lots of cold beer and, you know, food. Yeah. And, um, so how did, how did you get, how did you get wrapped up into Jane a like, and, and how did you end up becoming the mayor? I, I say the mayor. because <laughs> Well, you're, you're too kind. So, uh, time for another story. So at, towards the end of my Navy career, I had a good friend uh, with, with whom I used to run quite a bit and she had started working at this place called inside out sports. And, uh, I had um, previously met the owner of Inside Out Sports because, um, which was Jerry Fostick, because he had uh, all the awards for the Distance Series one year, which is a series of races that gets uh, people ready for Shamrock Marathon in March. And so uh, he had those in his store and had never been there before and he had not opened, hadn't been open very long. So I had briefly met him, but then this friend of mine was actually working for him and said, hey, look, we're looking for people part-time uh, to sell shoes. Basically. And so I uh, was looking, you know, getting towards the end of my Navy career, looking for something to do. I, not, not that I needed money the part-time work. I said, well, that'd be kind of fun. I enjoy running, you know, and, and, uh, and meeting other runners and, and helping them out if I can. So I went and started working part-time. Before I knew it, uh, this, this friend of mine who was the manager, she, she also was in the Navy. She was reassigned somewhere else. Jerry asked me if I'd take over as a manager. I said, sure, I'll take over as manager. Told my wife at the time at, when I retired. So look, let me just do this for a year or so, kind of figure out you know, what I want to do with you know, when I grow up now after my military life. And then uh, just kind of let me play doing this stuff. Well, almost six years later, uh, <laughs> You, as, as so often is the case. So I got to know uh, Jerry first uh, through uh, working with him at uh, Inside Out Sports, which became uh, Final Kick Sports. And if you want to touch on that later, we can. But anyway, so I got to know Jerry and, and he and his wife, beautiful wife, Amy, were taking over the Shamrock Marathon from the then owners. And uh, we were in the store one day and he's like, hey, you know, I'm Jerry comes up and it was slow. He goes, Bob, you know, I, you know, we need to find an announcer, you know, I mean, you got any names? Anybody come to mind? And he had thrown one out and said, yeah, well, he'd, he'd be pretty good. And I'm like, but, you know, if you want, I, I could give it a shot. You know, I've done a lot of public speaking in my military career. Uh, I don't think I've ever met a microphone I didn't like. I've never done race announcing before, but, you know, if you want to, you know, if you're willing to give it a shot, I'll give it a shot too. If I'm terrible, you can find somebody else for the next event. He goes, yeah, yeah, sure, let's do that. So that was 2003, and uh, at the time, Shamrock was all that Jerry and Amy had. There was no actual JNA racing at that point. It was just the Shamrock Sports Fest. They became JNA racing shortly thereafter. And uh, so I, you know, without a whole lot of expertise, other than having been to a lot of races and having listened to lots of announcers and having formed opinions that I didn't even know I had opinions on about what makes a good announcer, what doesn't make a good announcer. I took those ideas to that 2003 Shamrock Marathon, which was the only thing they had. They had the marathon, the kids race, and an 8K all in one day. That was Shamrock in those days. And, uh, and had a good time with it. And um, Jerry uh, and Amy liked my work well enough where they asked me to do the next one. And I've done every JNA racing event since then, which I'm uh, pretty proud of that. And everyone has been a blast. Everyone has been fun. And for many reasons, not just that I like to hear myself talk on a microphone. But uh, so that, that answers your question of how I got into being the announcer at 
Jenny, thanks. Yeah, I've, I've wondered sometimes too, you know, well, two things. One, like how hard is it before a race to come up with enough stuff to say, right? <laughs> like we're all in corrals and you're just, you know, you know, because I, I would think as people are coming through the finish line, that's easy, right? You're just reading people's right. names. But before you got to be like creative and you have to, you know, the other thing is you have like the voice for it. It's like, and through the, you know, like you've got, you've got the, wow. you've got the, yeah, the, the, the shtick down, man. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I could be real DJ if I want to be, but you know, that comes yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of hokey. I, and I'll do that to be funny sometimes, but it's, it's interesting you say that because before the race, a lot of what I'm doing is just administrative stuff. Hey, the, you know, getting the crowds here they are, the porta potties are here, you know, pick up your bibs there and your know, dry bag is here, et cetera, et cetera. And we often will have almost, I say almost, Pretty much every time there's there are guests of honors who are representing the city that we're in or one of our sponsors or a charity and I love sharing a stage with them and I get to introduce those people and in addition to being the announcer I'm also the master ceremony so I'm looking at the clock and uh, I'll tell you a story about Shamrock here in a minute it's pretty cool if we have time so it's uh, it, it goes by really quickly and sometimes there's not as much filler as you might think as far as trying to be creative and you know there are some stock lines that if i don't say them people go oh you didn't say you know whatever whatever so everybody's a critic right yeah i'm like okay (laughs) i was waiting for you to say this and like well i try not to say the same thing every time but then you realize people like to hear some of the same things every time so it's like the comedian who has the same act but if he doesn't do that act or parts of the act you're like oh man i was really looking forward to your bit about you know, X, Y, and Z, even though I've heard it a thousand times. So, um, so real quick story, Shamrock one year, we had made arrangements, you know, after the, there's a whole expansion of Shamrock over the years from, a, you know, just the Saturday events to the Saturday and Sunday. And then of course the half marathon, uh, once that came into being, was on the second day and we had the half start for the marathon and through some very good connections with the military, we had made arrangements, and I give Jerry credit for most of this, for finding the right people to talk to and the, and the right friends. We had made arrangements for two FA-18s who were going to be out on a training mission that Sunday morning to come back from that mission and do a flyover at the, um, right at the start of the half. So the timing on this was unbelievable. So I had, oh no, I had to, so I was the guy running the timeline and I had to call their radio coordinator and say, okay, national anthem is starting now. We had time the national anthem. And then, so he's talking on the radio to these guys and we've, we managed to make it work to the point where, you know, as, as a singer say, and during brave, here come these two screaming FA-18s. <laughs> Oh, the timing was so beautiful. And uh, fortunately, there was no camera on the stage because I'm just like, yes, pumping my arms. And I looked down <laughs> and Jerry's pumping his arms. So that's the kind of neat stuff that you don't realize often is happening behind the scenes as the uh, race organizers. And I'm the guy who gets to tell people what's coming on. And that's, that's just really cool. America. <laughs> yeah, America. America. Sound uh, so the, uh, you mentioned, you know, pilots and you know is that a, a 53 in your background there is that a uh, that is a uh, oh I forgot no that is an H46 46 I'm sorry I, I can only see the props from behind your the head. venerable oh there we go yeah, yeah yeah okay all right so uh, that, tell us a little bit um, you know because everybody that 
most of the people in our community that are going to listen to this know you as coach Bob, right? And my, even myself, like I didn't know you were in the Navy until after knowing you for several years, you know, because yeah. uh, you're pretty humble about it and don't, you know, you don't, you don't fluff your, yourself very much. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your career, maybe, you know, how, how upbringing, you know, what, what drove you to get into the Navy and then, you know, sure. how was your, how, and, and, you know, I'm going through a transition right now, right? Like, so I'd be curious, uh, maybe the piece of transition uh, from military to civilian life. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. So um, I, I don't tell quick stories, but I'll do my best here. So my dad was in the Navy. He was a, a ship driver and uh, could not have been more proud of his role as a ship driver. Um, he used to tell great stories about he and uh, we lived in Charleston, South Carolina for a while, and he was in a destroyer. He was a CEO of a, a, a then DDG, which was one of the newest ships in the fleet. And there were several of them in this destroyer squadron. And they used to race each other going back into port, you know, when, on these DDGs. And it, it was, I, I personally think it was probably the highlight of his 20 some odd years in the Navy. He had other commands later on, which were beneficial to him. But, but this was his, his drag racing DDG, hot off the uh, shipyard press, if you will. And so his whole Navy career was you know, surface, surface, surface. I, I can't really tell you, and, I, and I've tried to think about why this happened so many times, why my spin was towards uh, aviation. I knew I wanted to be in the Navy. I was very proud of my dad and what he did and, and, the, and what the Navy did. And I knew I wanted to at least do a tour in the Navy. And, uh, but I was just drawn to aviation. You know, I, just, you know, I, I just really want to fly. And so I, uh, I did, uh, was fortunate enough to get a, a NROTC scholarship to Auburn University, more damn eagle. And uh, so at the end of my uh, four years of ROTC at Auburn, I got you know, commissioned in the, the Navy. And then immediately, almost immediately went off to flight school. And so I um, ended up flying helicopters. That's another interesting story we can get next podcast. Ended up flying <laughs> helicopters, loved it. And uh, my principal platform in my 23 years on active duty was the, as we mentioned earlier, the venerable H-46. Uh, some of those listening might remember the H-46. Marines had them first. Most of the ones that we flew in the Navy were kind of hand-me-downs from the Marine Corps. We had a few in the squadron when I first got there in 1978, when I first reported, that had uh, patched up bullet holes in them because they'd seen service in Vietnam. Oh, wow. Which is a pretty cool thing. But uh, so I um, flew helicopters um, towards the latter part of my career, as is often the case, wasn't flying as much as I used to fly. So as I was getting close to the point where um, I was an 05, I did not select for 06, that's, that's fine, not everybody can. So my options towards the end of my career were um, go back to sea or go back overseas, in which case I would be transitioning to civilian life from a sea duty billet or an overseas billet. Didn't really think that would be something I would be interested in, nor were there any places clamoring for my services. If someone had said, Bob, you know, we really need you on the staff at uh, St. Jure or something, I probably would have thought about it more. But it would have been, anyway, long story short, I said 23 years, that'll do it. And uh, so I, would, I proudly 
uh, did my final salute and got piped ashore, which we should have done for you. <laughs> we should have piped you ashore. There, there were plenty of you later after I left. There, there but, were plenty uh, bosuns there to do it. <laughs> there were. I, I asked one. I said, you know, we should pipe him ashore. He said, I think I got my pipe in my truck. But anyway. So and uh, and so that's when I ended up with that the situation where you know I told my wife, say, hey, this thing kind of popped up. Let me just take a year. That's really what I thought I was going to do. Just kind of take a year and, and have fun and do something I loved. And then I found out that, hey, I'm doing something I love. So, you know, let me just keep doing that. And it certainly wasn't anything that was going to make me rich. Uh, but money's never been a huge factor for what I do. We're, we're comfortable and we've, you know, we've been smart enough in some of our investment decisions where we can be, we are okay. And um, so as I realized that, uh, yeah, I was doing something I really enjoyed. Let's just keep doing this. And then later on, uh, another opportunity that I was thinking, one of the things I was thinking about when I was starting to get ready to transition was teaching. Ended, mm. up, teaching, ended up teaching for several years. So uh, to be honest, Jeff, since I've left the military, I've, I've really not been very good at anything. And I just told you know, after five or six years, I, it's time to move on to something else. So <laughs> kind of the way it's gone. But I've enjoyed every minute. So, uh, what is next? What, what's uh, what's the next well, chapter? Well, next is, you know, of course, uh, the last paying, you know, actual go to work and get a paycheck sort of job. Uh, I was working part time out at the courthouse and as a screener. But we had made the decision. Oh, that's right. I, I ran into you. So I, yep, I was courthouse. updating my uh, my uh, concealed carry permit yep. and. I, I could have swore you were there one time that I had to go in there for uh, that. And then I had to go back and show, like, I didn't have an address uh, anyway. And I was like, I, I told Heidi, I was like, I'm pretty sure that was coach Bob. <laughs> and she's like, nah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. And then when I came yeah. through your side, you were like, check this guy twice. Yeah. <laughs> that time I wasn't actually in trouble. That time I was no. there. <laughs> well, that, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So we had, we, you know, Susan and I had made a decision at, uh, that at the end of 2019, that was going to be it for, you know, actual put on a nice clothes and go to work sort of thing. I was going to work for Virginia Racing as long as they would let me, but I don't consider that work. That's just something I love to do. And the same thing with team training in a volunteer capacity. So uh, the goal was to retire at the end of 2019. We did that. And then uh, sometime in January or February, start doing our little traveling and then something else came up in the, in the world. So our, the traveling part of uh, our retirement is on hold. It's, uh, we'll get to it at some point. You know, I'm sure you will. Keeping our health is the huge thing. And, and that's something that uh, certainly we've both, you know, my wife and I have both been committed to during this, uh, these troubling times. So to short answer your question, I'm continuing to help JNA in any capacity I, I can. Anybody that's doing the virtual events, and let me just give a shout out to everyone who's been supportive of everyone's virtual events. I mean, we're not the only, JNA Racing is not the only race organization that has had to go virtual as it was. And our community is so supportive, and there's still, you know, it's a good way to stay motivated and, and help each other out and, and help a vital business in the community to maintain its presence in the community. So on behalf of JNA, I certainly want to thank everybody for taking part in our virtual events. And so I do, I still do videos where I'm doing virtual starts 
for the event. I'm still putting costumes on and it might be in my backyard instead of on Atlantic Avenue or in front of the Hampton Coliseum. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna keep doing that as long as I have a voice, as long as I uh, am welcome to do so by certainly Jerry and Amy Frostick, but also by the community who says, keeps saying, yeah, Bob, we miss you, come on back. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, then when we can, to answer your question again, we're gonna, we're gonna start traveling and, and see some places we've never seen, go back to places we love. And that's, that's the beauty of being healthy and, and retired and, and able to do so. Yeah, I, I want to touch on the healthy part for a second, right? So, um, do you know uh, Jim Gigliotti? He's a friend of mine. He he was actually at the party. Um, I want to say, I, I think I've met Jim. I I don't know him well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he he told me the other day. I think he's like seventy two or seventy three, and uh, uh, this guy's like still signing up for Ironman triathlons. I mean, he's not crushing them. He's not, you know, he's not yeah. winning the race. But it's like, uh, you know, especially with this COVID time and seeing how all the, you know, the races got shut down and people quite honestly, myself included, kind of panicked a little bit in the beginning because it was just this unknown, right? So everybody was right. very, uh, as, as you should be, cautious, you know, but what are your thoughts on, you know, just main, you know, you're a healthy guy, uh, you know, I, I would look up to you as something that, you know, I would aspire to be at your age, right? Like I would want to be in a position where I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm retired, I'm doing passion projects as opposed to having to slave at a you know, a job that I hate just because I didn't set myself up well, right? Uh, but, you know, that's one piece, right? The other piece would be, you know, maintaining that health and fitness through COVID throughout many seasons of your life. Like you just ran a marathon last year, didn't you? In uh, February, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. year in February. Sure, sure. Well, I'm sorry. I, I participated in a marathon, Jeff. Running was a strong, <laughs> uh, strong word to use for my effort. But, you know, it touches on what you're talking about. It's, and it's certainly a matter of perspective. And, and when I was in my 30s, I kind of got a, I ran in high school and I ran to stay in shape in college, but I didn't really get into road racing until late 20s, early 30s. And then, uh, and I wasn't real smart about how I was doing it early on. I got hurt several times and stop and go, stop and go. And, uh, and in those days, the thought of even skipping a day for anything was just anathema to, you know, I got to run every day. And then that went to, okay, well, I got this little neck, you know, if I take a couple of days off, it won't kill me. And I used to think, gosh, what will happen if I ever hurt myself, you know, break a leg or something, I can't run for weeks or months, I'll, I'll go crazy. And that actually did happen once. I, you know, I had an injury that waylaid me for a couple of months. But, you know, as you get older, it's, you know, and I'm in, uh, I'm 66 now, so I'm, I got several more decades, I hope, to be able to do things. But I don't have the same uh, mindset at 66 that I did at 36, or certainly at 26. Now it's you know you got you got one body, and it's got it's got to last you, and you got to be able to uh, maintain, you know, good cardiovascular fitness and and the mental health. For me, the huge part of it is is the mental side, being able to work out. So I you know it's rare that I run two days in a row just because you know my my knees are okay. But if I run two days in a row, my knee is like, you know, why'd you do that? We're, we're kind of sore now. Now you're going to need to take three days off before you run again. So I've been smarter about it. And uh, going along with that is accepting the fact that you've got to let, you know, what your, limit, your ability dictate your limitations. So I know that I can keep running into my 80s. I hope, you know, I'm not going to wood here that no other 
malady pops up that's uh, you know, certainly not affecting me now. But I'm not going to be able to do that if I try to run you know, 100 mile weeks or even months these days. You know, I just barely made it through the 757 challenge in August. And uh, so it's, um, if, if there's somebody out there listening that's wondering, you know, what, how am I going to not be able to do the same things I'm doing now in 20 years? You'll be fine. As long as the mindset is, I need to be doing something. I need to go out on my five mile loop. You know, it takes me twice as long as I used to because I need to see those scenes that I always look at and go, ah, it's so pretty. I enjoy going, running by that every time. You know, or um, little challenges like, you know, I've, I've been doing a four one walk. Let me see if I can do a three one walk. And by that, I mean three minutes run, one minute walk, that sort of thing. And uh, you try it once, you go, oops, not today. And then, so it's, um, I'm rambling a little bit here, but so it's really the perspective of accept your limitations. Don't stop pushing yourself. I, I hope I never get to the point where, oh, you know, my knee's a little sore. I'm just going to stop because that, that would be, to me, that would be um, devastating, you know, if I just gave up. And so I'm not, uh, I'm nowhere close to any of my PRs for 5K, 10K, half marathon, and never will be again. But yeah, I read somewhere, probably Drummer's World, or one of the numerous running books I've read over the years, where a good strategy is to, you know, forget whatever your 10K PR was. You know, in the year I turn, so every year now what I'll try to do is, uh, I hope to still be able to run a marathon a year, interestingly enough, through some weird combinations of things and, and how many times I ran marathons with team and training. When I turned 64, that year I ran my 64th marathon. And oh, cool. So, you know, so every year since then, I've done at least one marathon to try to keep up. And I've tried to do them for a reason, you know, team and training or look strong or something else. And I'd love to be able to continue to do that, but I'm not worried about what my PR is in the marathon because if I'm running my first marathon when I turn 67, the first one I've run is 67, guess what? It's going to be a PR for age 67. That's right. So, you know, that's the kind of mindset I've been able to adopt and it really has been tremendously helpful as far as you know, forget all the stuff I used to be able to do. I'm never going to be able to do those again. But you know what? I'm still out here. I'm still moving one foot in front of the other. I'm still enjoying putting my running shoes on. I'm still enjoying on a hot summer day, you know, coming back and, and being all tired and sweaty and, and knowing I've just made the effort, even if it took me twice as long as it did 10 years ago. It's still something that brings me a lot of satisfaction, helps with cardiovascular fitness, of course and uh, keeps me mentally strong as well. Yeah, it reminds me of that Amby Burfoot quote that people are probably tired of me talking about it, and I should have it memorized at this point, but it's like less is still something, you know, there'll be some years where you'll race and, you know, you'll PR, and then there'll be some years that, and it was kind of nautical and running, so of course I loved it. (laughs) And it was basically, he was saying, you know, don't abandon ship, like less is still something, like, you know, if, Absolutely. If you can only run a 10K, that's cool. Like, you know, and I, you know, I started that group, the fitness wellman. Well, we started it with, it was the movement group, but then too many people were thinking it was like some sort of activist group, you know, because right. it was a movement. So anyway, that, movement, yeah. yeah, but that group is, uh, you know, that's what that's all about is, you know, because you know me, I, you know, I used to really crush it, like just 
beat myself to death, right? And this is a good segue into kind of something we might land on, you know, the reason I created that group and kind of some of the lessons that I've learned at, you know, a relatively young age, um, maybe I should have learned it sooner was that, you know, less is still something and anything you're doing to better yourself is definitely worth your time and effort and, and sure. educating yourself about. And then, you know, mental health is health too, right? And that's, that was probably the last thing I realized, you know, on yeah. this, on this journey that I'm sure I will still expound upon, but you know, there's, uh, they talk about EMDR, uh, which is like, uh, I'm going to goof it up, but it's, uh, for folks with PTSD, it's a rapid eye movement. And, uh, my therapist does it with me and it, it's really interesting. Uh, but I was doing some research on it and they were talking, this, this will relate to running. They were talking about the reason it's very similar to being out in nature because, you know, our, our primal instincts as you're running through nature, you're required to look left and right to ensure that, you know, you're not tripping over something or right. that. You know, yeah, it, it, it's rapid eye movement while you're running or while you're cycling or whatever. Um, so, you know, there's some cognitive benefits. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's more of a dopamine thing, not a, a serotonin thing. Uh, but there's some really good benefits to just like, I mean, we are runners, but also just any way that you can move your body, especially outside, you know, especially with COVID, everybody thought they needed to be locked in their apartment. And the reality is just stay away from people, get plenty of yeah. vitamin D to help your immune system, you know, uh, bump up. But uh, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned the mental health thing. I just kind of want to, you, you said it a few times. So I just wanted to, to highlight that again. Like there, there is so much good, like people, like I don't run for aesthetics, man. You know what I mean? Like if, if now I do lift weights for aesthetics, like when I go to the gym, I work all the vanity muscles only. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, I, I, I I've never been a gym rat, but uh, I understand fully what you're saying. And just to touch on the mental health thing again, you know, kind of getting back to what I was alluding to, there's there's two sides to that runner's mental health in a very general sense. Uh, the first side is if you're younger and you're worried about not being able to maintain where you are, what you're doing, whether you're a runner or triathlete or cyclist, you know, I, I will tell you from experience, and there's guys older than me that can probably tell you even beyond what I'm doing. You're going to be okay. If you keep doing what you're doing, you'll get to a point where it won't matter as much that you can't run the 40 minute 10K anymore. Or, you know, you can't maintain 20 miles an hour on your 40 mile cycle ride uh, the entire time. It's going to be okay. What's not okay is if you stop doing it. You know, the, uh, you'll get to a point, I certainly hope, because I'm living proof of it, where you're doing it for the enjoyment and the mental health and the, the physical benefits and it's going to be just as enjoyable just as satisfying um, some of us are more competitive than others uh, I can't say I've completely given up my uh, looking at the clock and looking at my times compared to others but you know I'm, uh, the, the little arthritis here and there and uh, some weakening joints and other things have made me realize that yeah, I'm never going to get those PRs again. So, you know, I'm going to every year, whatever, whatever age I'm in, that's whatever I do. That's my PR. for that day. So, yeah. 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 Cause it's a PR at this season of your life. Right. right. Yeah. You know? And I mean, if you do a new, if pick a new event that helps too, because no matter what you do at a new event, it's, it's going to be PR for that event. Well, so, and then you get the experience of a new environment. That's right. Yeah. Now, and hopefully, 
hopefully we'll be able to uh, travel to events again here sometime in the next year or whatever it takes. You know, so it's opening up a little bit. We'll see. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be different forever, though. You know, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think. I don't know. I mean, I was completely wrong with this whole COVID thing. I was like, ah, it'll be done by Valentine's Day. I was like, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Here we are in yeah. September, but uh, I do think we'll get back to it. I think it'll be a little different. You know, I mean, yeah. we may not be able to corral as many people together as we used to and things like that. Certainly as we transition back to a new normal, you're right. It's going to be, it's going to be different. So yeah, we can figure it out. A lot out. of those changes will be yeah, a lot of those changes will be positive too. You know, guys will be thinking of ways to uh, to uh, to get this business back on track, and uh, there are smart guys out there working on it. And while other smart people, thank goodness, are working on you know the vaccines and the other things that we can do to thank goodness, there are smarter people than I in the world that can you know devote, devote themselves to that. So. Absolutely. And it's, it's needed, you know, it's needed in the community. Uh, I had written down here to talk about small businesses, but I, I think you covered it pretty well. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we need the, we need the small businesses, not just J and a, we need, you know, the restaurants, we need, we need to support yeah. our community. And uh, you know, I think we will come back if everybody, I went out and like bought some gift cards and stuff when we couldn't go out at all. And then, you know, the Navy put us all on lockdown, like made a sign page 13s. Uh, and I was still just doing my best that I could without getting in trouble. Right. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, it's interesting that you had a sign of page 13. I, I hadn't heard that term in a long time. <laughs> yeah. They, they made a sign of page 13 that said, basically we wouldn't go out to eat. We wouldn't go to barbershops. We wouldn't go to gyms and stuff like that. Uh, now of course that all changed for me on nine 11, but right. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you coach, I play by the rules these days. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do got not, you. I do not push the rules anymore. Uh, I hear you. All right, man. Well, hey, go ahead. I, just real quick, you, know, you touch on small businesses. And a lot of people don't uh, think about how uh, one industry, there are so many small businesses associated with that industry. And I'll just take the running industry, for example. It's not just the, the race owners and organizers. It's the people who do the timing. It's the people that provide race bibs. You know, it's the people who um set up parties and set up barriers and all those things there's it, it trickles down to so many people and if there's any way that any of us can help those people by doing a virtual race where we are still printing race bibs that sort of thing so just you know, your note about touching on small business there's so many things that we can do and you and i just doing it ourselves may not make an impact but if the entire community rallies around a business or a, a, a collection of businesses we can save a lot of them, maybe not all of them, but uh, so that, that's my PSA for trying to get out there and, and help your local business as much as possible, no matter what it is. Absolutely. Yeah, man. All right. So uh, this is a question. I probably should have like given you a heads up because sometimes this stumps people with this question, but it, it's a question I ask every guest uh, because it's probably one of the more relevant, re revelatory things that uh, I have figured out is that, you know, I worried so much about my legacy that I thought I needed to ensure my reputation was good and thus kind of forgot about my character and my value system, right? And so what I come to learn, I mean, in the last maybe six or seven years is that if I just worry about being a good dude, right, just having good character, that my reputation and legacy will take care of itself, you know, and that, that may be different, you know, that may not be Captain Deck LDO Jeff Bayless, it may just be at the eulogy like, that guy was a really good dude and helped a lot of people and put a lot of positive energy out into the world. Right. 
but yep. it, it all starts with your character. Uh, and I, I believe that firmly. And so the, the question is, you know, all of us that know you would, would have a way to describe your character. Uh, but, but how would you describe your character? You know, what, what would you hope that we would say is your character? And I mean, I already know the answer to this, but what do you do uh, to ensure that that shines through in the work that you do? Well, you know, that's, that's a great question. And it's a tough one for someone to answer about him or herself. But uh, I'll, um, I was telling you a story at your retirement about an executive officer who told me once, you know, I think you're just too nice for this, 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 this Navy stuff. And he was referring more to command and some other things. And I'm like, and I, you know, if that's what's on my tombstone, tombstone I'll be okay with that. So I, I think I'd like to think that my character is uh, I care about other people as much or if, uh, not more than I care about myself. I, I have gone through life based on my parents' example, which was huge, that if you can give back, you should give back, you know, share what you have with others. Try to be, uh, as, as you mentioned just a second ago, a positive influence, not a negative. Uh, be kind and caring and, and helpful. I mean, those three words right there are, are pretty much what I live by, kind, caring, and, and helpful. So, uh, and as far as what do I do, um, certainly any charity work that I can do uh, through example, I, I continue to work with team and training. You know, I've worked with Liz Strong before, again, the, the cancer fight is, is uh, important to me. And um, <clears throat> even through JNA Racing, I mean, I, I enjoy what I do being an announcer, but the part that I enjoy the most is being able to be a small part of the amazing effort and accomplishment that I see thousands of runners and walkers do at every event. You know, the people that are especially, I love the back of the pack. And when they come in, they're just as happy. They're just as excited. They've put in just as much effort they've covered just the exact same distance as whoever crossed the finish line first and i just love making them feel like what they've done is important you know just as important as the three people that are going to stand on the podium and get hardware and so that's that's a huge part of why i love being a race announcer for jna racing because i get to be a part of that i get to witness it same thing with team and training and there's so many people over the years who have come to the program they want to make a difference and they're like I, I can't do a half marathon I go yes you can you know barring some physical limitation that neither of us at this point is, is aware of I know you can do it because I have seen so many people just like you do it uh, before you and uh, you just need to say to yourself I want to do this and being able to help someone like that who didn't think they could accomplish something train for and cross the finish line of a half marathon or a marathon or a triathlon is that's a feeling I hope to never ever grow tired of because that's what that's what keeps me going that's awesome coach yeah man you're you're an inspiration I love the work you do I, lo I love seeing you out uh you know it, it, it's just uh it, there, you have touched so many people you probably don't even know uh so it's been an honor man I, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, I, sure. I appreciate you Everything you do, not only, I mean, you've done some cool stuff for me too, but, you know, just, you do so much good stuff, man. And, uh, you know, I, it can't be overstated. You know, you're a really good man and I'm proud to know you. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. I, I greatly appreciate that. Appreciate that. And to anyone that's listening out there, I can't stress enough. I can't wait to see you all in person again at some uh, road race where we're actually looking at each other and high-fiving each other. And that day will come. 
it's going to be different, but it's going to come. And, and uh, as long as I'm uh, still welcome, I'll be there. Outstanding. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right, guys, there you go. Uh, what, what a humble human being. Uh, that really just does a lot of good for a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I think that what we discussed there, uh, you know, I could have talked to Coach for a, a lot longer. And I always really enjoy running into him at, at the races or at the training. Uh, clearly, uh, a lot of people think very highly of him, and it, it isn't because he does this stuff for any kind of validation. He really genuinely uh, just wants to put positivity out in the world. And, those of you that know me know I'm all about that. So, uh, you know, I was very, very honored to have him. Uh, I really appreciate him taking the time. Uh, and and I, more importantly, I just really appreciate who he is and what he does. And I, and I know that if you know Coach, uh, or even if you don't, you, you, have to, you have to recognize just what a good soul he is. Um, so super grateful for his time. Uh, again, if you got anything out of this and, and you know Coach Bob, or even if you don't, uh, I'll, you know, I'll tag it on Facebook. Uh, I don't think he really hangs out too much on Instagram, but, you know, uh, give him a shout, man. Like, pour some love on that guy and just let him know how much you appreciated uh, listening to the podcast and maybe just, you know, the, the other important work that he does. Uh, and then, you know, I'll be a little selfish. <laughs> if if, uh, if you liked any, uh, any of this content, you know, I'd appreciate it if you would uh, give me like a five-star review on iTunes or, you know, just subscribe to the podcast, you know, that kind of stuff just really kind of helps. Uh, you know, I'm not getting any money out of this, but a rising tide lifts all boats and the, that kind of stuff puts a, puts a little coal in the, in the train, get it down the track, right? It just kind of helps me uh, spread the message to those that need to hear it. Uh, you know, my messaging is all, uh, you know, in good faith and good, good intentions. Uh, but you know, I need your help. I need your help to grow this project, to allow it to, get to the right people, uh, you know, the people that, <clears throat> excuse me, that need, uh, you know, just some objective perspective and with different meaningful conversations. So any of that stuff would be super helpful. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, I'm going to get one more podcast in this week uh, and then I'll be off the grid for a few days. Uh, but I, I promise I'll, I'll get one out uh, this week, uh, later this week. Uh, or maybe early next week. Uh, but so there'll be, uh, there will still be podcasts coming, uh, but I may, I may take a mini vacation uh, due to my recent retirement. Okay. That's all I got. Talked long enough. I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the evolution podcast. Mm-hmm.